You brought me out of darkness. You have filled me with peace. Giver of mercy, you're my help in time of need. Lord, I can't help but see.
Good morning. Y'all can have a seat. Almost had an acapella service. It was kind of fun there for a second. Hey, welcome to uh, 2024. My name is uh, Hunter House. I'm glad to be worshiping with y'all this morning. Let me just say a special note to teachers. I genuinely hope that you have enjoyed this long uh, break away from school, but can we please give our children back to you? It is feels like it's been two months, and we might get a snow day on Tuesday, first day back. So that's fun. I love my kids. Um, <laughs> we're kicking off a lot of things around here, so let me just kind of run through this, and hopefully there's maybe one or two things that stand out as a way that uh, you could get connected. Uh, men's morning. We are switching up the way that we do uh, our men's groups, our men's morning uh, this semester. So we've been meeting weekly up here in the great room, and we're actually moving that to monthly. We're encouraging all of our men's groups to continue to meet weekly off-site um, to have time together, but then once a month to come together for equipping. And so it'll be the second Wednesday every month. We've got Paul Sewell with us uh, this semester. He's going to be walking us through uh, four sessions on how to talk about Jesus in everyday life. So if you're in a men's group, we'd love for you to join us on Wednesday morning at 630. Uh, if you're in a community group, maybe you could grab some of the men from your group and y'all make this a monthly thing where you come together for equipping. And if you're not connected yet, but you would like to be, I'd encourage you to sign up uh, through our men's morning link that you'll find on the app or website and we'll get you plugged into a small group. So that starts this Wednesday at 630. Uh, you'll see cohort up here. Uh, this is a small group of people who will be taking a semester to go through all of our training center core classes. So if you've ever wanted to do panorama, personal Bible study, our faith, you can do it in a semester on Tuesday nights with a small group of uh, other people. There's childcare available, so that's actually going to start on the 16th next week. If you're new, Discover Fellowship is the best way to connect with us. It is uh, an eight-week commitment. We have two large groups where you hear a little bit about who we are, kind of uh, what we believe here at Fellowship, how we're structured, those types of things, and then six weeks of small groups. And so it's a great entry point into community here. So if you're new, joined us in the last couple months, we'd encourage you to sign up uh, for that on our website or the app. All of these can be found in those two places. Uh, women's studies will kick off here in a couple weeks. Gabby and Stephanie will be up the next couple weeks to share more details on those. Premarital starts January 28th. So this is for seriously dating couples and engaged couples. Um, we've already got 13 couples who've signed up, and this is our first time really mentioning it. And so we're creating more space. We've got leaders um, who are committed to walk through seven weeks of small group content, going through the, the basic conversations that we need to have uh, for our relationships heading into marriage. So if you find yourself in one of those categories, would encourage you to sign up, seriously dating or engaged, or if you have friends or family that you know that would be good for, starts January 28th, and you can find that online as well. Last thing, Legacy Gathering, because of the holidays, is meeting this week. They usually meet every first Wednesday of the month, but they'll be meeting this week. So clear? Got it all? Great. Me too. Uh, today kicks off a three-week series in here on Sunday mornings called Life's Healing Choices. So every single one of us has hurts, hang-ups, habits, uh, addictions, rhythms that we've kind of fallen into, things that we deal with in life that we often just don't know how to talk about. Hopefully, you've heard us in services here and in community actually be open about the things that we're dealing with. But for the next three weeks, we're actually going to do a deep dive into this. And so, uh, parents, we will cover some harder topics. Um, so just want to let you know that so that you don't feel blindsided if you bring kids in here. We'd love to have kids worship 
uh, with us, but I uh, want to leave that up to your discretion. And so for week one this morning, we have Rodney Holmstrom teaching with us. So Rodney leads all things Celebrate Recovery uh, here at Fellowship uh, for all campuses. And he's a friend. He and his wife, Carol, have worked on staff for many years. Um, he's actually going to be our men's retreat speaker this year in April. Um, it's the last weekend in April, men, if you want to go ahead and mark your calendars for that. But we're blessed to be able to partner in ministry with Rodney for years and to have him here this morning. And so um, I want to invite you to stand as I pray for him um, and as I pray for us. Uh, our team has been praying diligently about this series, um, that God would use these three weeks to soften our hearts to bring us into more life and relationship with him um, and to bring the hard things that we're walking through into the open. So let me pray for us. God, you are in our midst and uh, we acknowledge your presence. Um, we're grateful that you would be here with us as we worship you. You come alongside us, you walk with us. You're in this, this moment. Um, I'm reflecting on our first service and just the power of uh, you working in our leaders and hopefully in every heart that's sitting out here, Lord. Would you begin to stir, um, stir openness, vulnerability, um, to be able to acknowledge the things that we know are real and to put them into light, God, so that we can experience life and freedom in you. You call us to come and rest with you. I pray that people would take steps to do that today. Would you accept our offering, our tithes, our singing as worship? Uh, to you this morning. We give it to you as our, our God, our Father, our Savior, and our friend. We love you. Amen. Christ is my firm foundation.
Father, thank you for your faithfulness in our lives, God. Thank you for your goodness. Lord, I pray this morning as we hear from your word and we learn about what it looks like to surrender our lives to you, that our hearts would be open to receive the ways that you're going to speak to us this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. Good morning, fellowship. So good to be here with you this morning. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ, and I struggle well with drugs and alcohol and perfectionism. My name is Rodney. I guess you have to be the most messed up guy on the planet to lead the ministry of Celebrate Recovery, so they chose me. I'm not sure what that says about me, but uh, it's so good to be here with you this morning. I'm excited that we're launching into this new series, three weeks where we focus on uh, this topic, a book written, Life's Healing Choices by Pastor John Baker. He passed away a couple years ago, but in the 33 years, he found that there were some people that would hear the word recovery and have a negative connotation to that. So he wanted to write a book with simple language to help us understand that we're all in recovery in some form of fashion. So when I talk about the choices It's simultaneous with the principles of Celebrate Recovery. And so we actually sold out of the books this service, so we'll have some more for you next week if you want to pick up a copy or you can pick it up online wherever you buy books. There's a couple things that are are my personal goal, and I know the team's goal in this time, is one that we could educate our community on uh, just hurts, hangups, and habits and make it okay to face our hurts, habits, and hang-ups, and even our broken relationships, so that if you need it, or a family member needs it, or someone in your community, that you create this culture of safety to say, hey, I'm one of those people, I need help, that we would lock arms with them and say, there's no shame in that. I'm so glad that you had the courage to speak up, and we would pray with them through that, and it wouldn't be something that would, would replace the incredible things that are happening here in community, because we're big on form versus function here at Fellowship. The function of community is, is so important to a healthy church, and it, and it does so well here at Fellowship Bentonville. This is a form of community that sometimes we need a focused attention on something. Maybe it is a habit or a hurt or a hang-up that, that's got us stuck And so maybe we need for a season this form of community. Wouldn't it be cool if we were a community, which I believe we are, that locks arm and says, it's okay not to be okay, and we love you too much to keep you there, so let's lock arms and go through this. So maybe we need a season to walk through that together. So there's a big question for me is that we launch into the the Life Healing Choices Celebrate Recovery series, and we're going to cover six of the choices, by the way, of the eight uh, principles slash choices. And there's a question that what do we do when life throws pain at us? I don't know if you guys heard about this, but a few years ago, there was this uh, thing that happened. I think it was pretty global, but it was this thing called the pandemic. Anybody else hear about that? Created a little bit of pain, didn't it? A lot of pain. And then we took all the pain and we said, now go be by yourselves. And that just magnified it. In fact, I think, I believe we're now in a pandemic of mental health. We're seeing a rise in the United States, people reporting anxiety and depression and crippling fear. And yes, even addictions 
where we're going and we're grabbing for things to satisfy those hurts, those hang-ups, those, those, those longings in our heart that only Jesus can provide for us through fear and f- failure and betrayal and even grief of a lot of loss. How do we deal with the pain in our life? Well, this morning we're going to cover two of the choices of the six that we'll cover of the eight life's healing choices, and I want to read the, the first choice to you. Choice one reads, realize I'm not God. I admit that I am powerless to control my tendency to do the wrong thing and that my life is unmanageable. Now, I think we all know in our brain, I'm not God. I, realize, I already knew that. But sometimes our practices say something different, don't they? We do things that only God should be designed to do. But Celebrate Recovery is based on the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5, where make no mistake about it, Jesus is coming to meet a broken people. And there's some principles and and scriptures that are tied to these choices and principles that help us to understand Jesus is talking directly to us as the broken. We are the broken. And so this, this corresponding verse, you'll notice the first word says, blessed. Now, some translations will say happy. That has a negative connotation in our society today. Just make me happy. That's not what he's talking about here. Blessed or happy in spite of my circumstances, not as a result of my circumstances, in spite of my circumstances. Jesus is saying, blessed, happy are those. And I want you to read this first verse with me, Matthew 5. Read this out loud with me. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I love the word pictures that Jesus gives us. Maybe it's my simple mind, but it helps me to understand. He uses words to paint pictures for us. He uses words in the Beatitudes like hunger and thirst and poor. Now, probably a good case to, to believe in this room that not many of us have ever gone several days without eating. But go with me on this. Imagine if you haven't eaten in days and you tried everything that you can possibly do and there's nothing in your cup. I think Jesus is painting this picture for us. Be like that poor man on the corner that has nothing in his cup and you've tried everything you can to fill it and you're in that point of of desperation that Jesus, if you don't put something in this cup, I'm going to die. That's the kind of poor in spirit that I think Jesus is trying to tell us, that you take the hurt, you take the struggles in this broken world and the suffering and the hurt done to us or the hurt that we've done to others, we take our empty cup and say, my way of dealing with this, Lord, is not working. I need you to fill my cup. That's a special kind of desperation, isn't it? And then we see choice two. It says, earnestly believe that God exists that I matter to him, and he has the power to help me recover. In the same way, in spite of my circumstances, happy or blessed. Read this verse with me. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Now, what are we mourning after? We're mourning after our sin. We're mourning after the pain. We're mourning after the, the, the thing that needed rescuing. Right? We need rescuing. We need a savior. And when we come to that realization and knowing he's the only one that can fill this empty, dry cup, then we can have comfort in knowing that when we mourn after that stuff, things done to me, which was nailed to the cross, and the things that I've done as hurt people hurt people, we either transform it or we transmit it. 
He's saying, when you mourn after that, I will comfort you. What a great picture that Jesus is painting for us. We refer to these two choices as the, the reality and the hope choice. What is reality? Reality is just what is, okay? Pain is what happens when we bump into reality. You ever been there? With that realization like, ooh, this is bad, and we hit that wall, and it's like, this is not going too well, a reality check. But knowing that in that reality check that there is hope is so critical to know I can take my empty cup, and Jesus will fill it. That's why he left heaven, to meet us in our brokenness, to deal with the circumstances of a broken world, and he invites the community in this together to do that. So there's a central thought I want you to hold on to during this time, and it's this, that the pain is inevitable. We live in a broken world. Pain is inevitable, but misery is optional. We don't have to walk and live in misery. Freedom is possible. Why is that possible? The scripture says, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. When we can take our hurts, our hangups, and our habits to him, the spirit enters into that dryness, the, the anxiety, the depression, the fear, the, the addictions, whatever that is, and he will fill that need that we have. But a common question I get is, who is Celebrate Recovery for? Now, you hear the word recovery. Let's just be honest. There's probably a picture that comes to your mind. Maybe you're thinking, is that a place where people with no teeth go? Some of you are thinking it. I'm not judging you. It's okay. It is, if you look around this room, it is people just like you. It is business professionals. It's successful people. It's, it's moms and dads and brothers and sisters and community business successful leaders and people working a, a warehouse line. That's the beauty of a, of a body of Christ coming together. Recovery is for all of us. In fact, if we were to go to Genesis, we won't go there. But if we looked at the few, first few chapters of Genesis, we would see that God created the heavens and the earth. And he created man and he said, it is good. He, you and I were created in his image. But then in chapter three, something happened, right? That image was disrupted. It doesn't change the fact that we're, we're created in his image, but it interrupts, it disrupts the broken image. And from that point forward, we have been trying to, here's the word, recover a broken image. We all are in recovery we're all in the same boat. We need a Savior in Jesus Christ. I love the way Paul puts it in Romans 3, verse 22. He says, this righteousness, what does that mean? This means that I'm in good standing with God and I'm connected with God. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to, here's that word, to anyone, to all who believe. There's no difference between Jews and Gentiles. We're not graded on a curve. We're all in the same, same wavelength. For, look at that next word, all. All have sinned. And that sin just means that God had a plan for my life and I didn't do it. Maybe it's something that has happened to me and as a result, I have done to others because it always gets transmitted when we don't face it. All, all have sinned. God had a plan and I didn't do it and all fall short of the glory of God. God, the life that God had in mind for me, I fell short of that. That means we all need a savior, don't we? We all need rescuing. If you've ever sinned, which I 
think we could probably say everyone in this room has sinned. If you've ever had a relationship that's in turmoil, maybe you have something, a habit that you've been hiding and you've been trying, you have a desire to fix it and you want to make it right and you've tried over and over and over again and you failed. Or maybe there's some compulsive thoughts that have got you stuck and your identity is being challenged and threatened. How God sees you is different the way you see yourself, God, and others. Or maybe you just need a safe space to talk about that thing and you've just been scared of what people will think of you. Wouldn't it be beautiful if we had a, a community space where we said it's okay not to be okay, but we love you too much to keep you where you are. Thank you for having the courage to admit you're not perfect. Welcome to the human race, amen? <laughs> we all need a savior. We're all in recovery. We're in the same boat. Now, mind you, some of us have more holes in our boat, but it doesn't change the fact that we're all in recovery and we need a savior. Sometimes we have more holes in the boat, and what a great thing to be able to say, hey, I'm sinking here. I trust you as my community. Can you help me? Maybe Celebrate Recovery is a good track in conjunction, not as a replacement, but a complement to what God's already doing here at Fellowship Bentonville. We're all in the same playing field. I love what Hebrews 12, 1, 2 describes with this. Now, we could spend a lot of time talking about a lot of things about this passage, but I don't have time to go into all of what's happening in this text. But there's a couple things I want to draw out that I think are critical that speak to exactly what we're talking about with these two choices. The writer writes, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Why? So that we can run with perseverance this race marked out for us. Do you know that God has called you to a special purpose, a special calling for your life as moms and dads and leaders in your community, leaders in this church? The, the scriptures here, when we look at that, the sin that so easily entangles, we probably all have a pretty good idea. We have a picture. Go, Oh, I know what he's talking about because maybe we've struggled with something. But sometimes we forget the hinder part. I wonder what might be hindering you from walking and running with perseverance. If we look at that word hinder in the original language, it literally means a, an encumbrance, a weight, or a burden. Anybody relate to that? Here's the reality. If I don't deal with the, the weights and the encumbrances and the burdens in my life, they, they may not be my fault. They've done, been done to me, but they now become my responsibility. What do I do with those? If I don't face those, there's no doubt in my mind if I try to manage them and hide them and deal with them under my own power, they will become sin that so easily entangles because we're not designed to carry our hindrances, nor our burdens, our encumbrances, the weights. We're not designed to carry the weight of a broken world. There's only one who has the right to rule in our life, and his name is Jesus Christ. Will we allow him to fill our cup? What are the weights and the burdens that have become maybe a sin that has entangled me in this space? Sometimes I have to remind myself that God's grace that's freely given to you and I is not just for my salvation. It's like, thanks for my salvation. Now I'm going to go take care of all the mess in my life. 
Now, the grace is not just for my salvation. It's his power coming to me, working in me, and working through me to be able to face the hindrances and the burdens and the sin that is tripping us up, that's keeping us from living out the race and the purpose, the calling that God has designed for every one of us, especially individually. Could it be that Jesus didn't leave heaven just to make a bunch of bad people behave? What if when we believe and we confess with our lips, we believe with our heart, and we invite him into our life as our personal Lord and Savior, we are called holy? I've been called a lot of things. Holy is not one of them. You know, he calls you holy. What if he came, part of the gospel is he came to make his holy people healthy? I've traveled all over the world talking about Celebrate Recovery, and here's something that just grieves my heart when I see his holy people living unhealthy lives. And the biggest factor is the shame of the enemy saying, you can't tell anybody about that. What will they think of you? They'll think you're weak. Holy people living unhealthy. What if Jesus, what if a part of the gospel message of filling the cup is so that we can walk as holy people, as healthy, holy people? I think that is part of God's calling for our life. There's an old character in some old westerns that sometimes in the younger generation, they kind of look at me cross-eyed when I say this. Anybody ever heard of John Wayne? Yeah, I know some of you are like, no, who the heck is that? Just think Jason Bourne of today. He's really bad. And I don't mean, I mean, he's like tough. He, he's this big, burly, tough guy that he played the exact same character in every single movie. He had his cowboy hat, he had his chaps, his six shooters, his boots. He was a bad guy. He was tough, rough, and gruff, right? In every single movie, he played the same character. He was going to fight the Indians. It was a Cowboys and Indians, Cowboy Westerns, right? And, and it's fascinating, his opponent had these rocks that were carved into, it's fascinating that they could carve these rocks into perfect arrowheads. And they're firing them at him, right? And he's doing pretty well in battle. He's taking them out, but in the midst of battle, he's getting hit. Now, what does big, bad John Wayne, Jason Bourne of today do when he gets hit? Oh my gosh, this really stings. I think I need to process this wound. And he says, a lot. Now, this is John Wayne, big, bad John Wayne. He breaks it off at the head and throws the stick, and he finishes the battle. And here's the thing. He goes back to camp, and he's celebrated. You are a stud. Look what you did. You pulled yourself up by your bootstraps. You didn't let those stinking arrowheads get in your way. You won. The bad news is he's still got a bunch of rocks lodged into his body. <laughs> Do you know that you can live the rest of your life with rocks in your body, assuming it contains the infection? But here's the bad news. Every time you bumped into something with a rock inside of you, it always feels a lot worse than if you didn't have the rock inside of you. I think emotionally, we all have those stones lodged inside of us. We call them hurts, hangups, and habits in Celebrate Recovery. We have these events, these messy events that happen, and these hurts that happen to us. We've been shot, and we have these, these wounds that we're carrying, these emotional scars, and we've been trained somewhere along the way to ignore that, avoid the pain, and run, and come up with your own strategy to fill your cup. 
And as a result, we believe some lies about ourselves. I'm a failure, I'm unlovable, whatever that is. And then we find ourselves doing the very habits that confirm what we're believing. It keeps us stuck. Now, when we say habits, it's easy to immediately go to drugs, alcohol, pornography. It's a part of it. But you know that one in three people coming to celebrate recovery are dealing with addictions. Everyone else is dealing with the stuff underneath. See, if we don't deal with the burdens, the weights, the encumbrances, they will become sin that so easily entangles. It's not just the addictions, people-pleasing, perfectionism, performance. You know that I, I in my life as a, as a young man, built this false version of myself. I wanted you to love this guy, this version of myself that I was painting, and I was stuck on performance and people-pleasing and and, and, and trying to do all the stuff to make the world happy. I wanted you so badly to love this person while on the inside I was dying a slow death. We build a false version of ourselves. We want you to love this person while on the inside we can't stand. We hate the person that we're masking, that we're hiding. And that's a miserable place to be in our life. That we, it's, not, it's not sustainable. See, if I, if I find myself in that space of putting up a mask and I'm trying to fill my cup under my own power, here's what happens. It keeps me from connecting with you, and that's the beautiful expression of church. So what did I do? I stiff-armed the church. I'll talk to you, but just don't get too close. I don't want you to see what's really happening in here. That's not God's design for community. I need you to experience the real me, and I need to experience the real you. And sometimes that means acknowledging the woundedness, the, the brokenness, maybe the addictions that are happening inside of me so that I can not just experience healing, but I can experience my calling to get back on mission, what Christ wants for me. Charles Spurgeon says it this way, nothing teaches us about the preciousness of the creator as much as when we learn the emptiness of everything else. See, when we allow Jesus to fill the cup, we begin to understand that he's in control and his preciousness grows. Then all the things, our old strategies of what we used to put in our cup become empty and we realize, that strategy's not working. It's killing me. Lord, your preciousness, your strength, your power working in and through me, even though it's scary, even though it's hard, it's worth it because you're the one that is working in and through me in this space. Some of you know my story. Many of you in the room have been through Celebrate Recovery. I'll try not to make eye contact because I know it's a ministry of anonymity and confidentiality, but many of you have been through it. Many of you are in it right now, and maybe some of you are going into it. So some of you know my story but there's too many stories that I could share about my brokenness, but I had multiple stepfathers, physically, verbally, emotionally abusive, with this common thread of addictions in my home. And one particular stepfather that was on my inventory when I was processing, he was the one that would help me as a junior high kid with my homework. And he would get so angry when he was trying to explain math, I hate math, by the way, he would try to explain math problems to me. And when I wasn't getting it, I could feel the frustration. The more frustrated he got, the more my brain locked up. And it was like this volcano that would slowly come to an eruption. And it would always end in physical abuse, knocking me to the floor, into a plant. It's funny how in our trauma we can smell and see things. I can still smell the soil of that plant. 
I can still see the shag carpet in the 70s. I still see the paint on the wall. I see the blood. I, I, see the, the, I feel the humiliation as I'd fumble my way back into my chair and we repeat the cycle over and over and over again. See, what I didn't know until later in life was that little boy that went through that trauma crawled underneath that kitchen table. Though I was growing into a man, I was very successful in business. I was doing all the good stuff. I built this false version of myself. Emotionally, I was still stunted. I was hiding underneath the kitchen table. I think discipleship is as much about the emotional, mental health as anything. I want to be in full spiritual health, mind, body, soul, all this stuff working together. I had to admit and acknowledge the wound, say, Jesus, would you fill my cup? Little boy's hiding underneath the table, and I need to come out because I want to be a part of your purpose for my life. I had to admit and face the wound and then get help, allow a different source to meet me in that pain. I think one of the hindrances is we get stuck in trying to control. I know nobody can relate to this, but sometimes we try to control things. Anybody relate to that? <laughs> What's some things we try to control? We try to control our image, right? Like I was talking about building that false version of ourself. Or we try to control people through silence and shame, guilt. Or we try to control our problems. I know I got problems on the inside. I'm just going to keep this false version of myself. I'm just going to manage this problem on my own. And I'm certainly not going to admit that I need help. Because what will you think of me as, as my community if I admit that I don't have it all together? Will I be excommunicated? Will I be ditched to the curb because I'm, I'm different than the rest? But most of all, I think we try to control our pain. We avoid it at all costs. We try to escape. We deny. We medicate. That's where addictions tend to come up. We deny, we postpone, or we make ourselves really, really, really busy. See, if we don't face the hurt and allow God to transform it, we will transmit it. And here's the thing, when Paul and Peter talk about in the New Testament over and over, in this world as believers, we will experience suffering. Suffering is in a broken world until Christ returns. But if we don't address the wounds, we will keep bumping into past sufferings. And this world's hard enough as it is. I don't want my past sufferings as I'm facing today's suffering as I'm walking in this path, walking in a broken world. Now, we got to do like Hebrews 12, 2 says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Facing this suffering, facing the pain can become a vehicle to deeper connection, deeper connection. You begin to experience the real me, I experience the real you, and we grow together and we live out our purpose. God's not going to waste the hurt in our life. This form of community is about relationships and allowing Jesus to put us. And maybe we need, we need a circle to be able to focus on some specific wounds. You say, well, how long am I going to have to do that? My response is, as long as it takes. Because you're too important. Jesus loves you too much to leave you alone in that pain. And as long as it takes, you're going to be reintroduced back into the calling that he has called you as a mom, as a dad, as a brother, a sister, as you allow and acknowledge and face that pain, notice it, organize it, and share it with God and others. It's about surrender, though. 
Because if we've been trying to fill our cup under our own power, it's about giving it to him. And I love the way James describes surrender. He says, humility is the key to grace. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. I'm no longer that little boy hiding underneath the kitchen table. It took a while. It was a process, but he didn't even expect me to crawl out under my own power. He met me underneath. I just had to admit and get help and call out to him. Sweetest prayer we can pray, Lord, help me. Jesus began to heal the wound, and he's not wasting it today as I'm able to experience this transformation and help other people that might be experiencing my same season of life. As a band comes out, I want to ask you, this is a lot to take in, but what needs to change in your life? What needs to change? What, is there something that you've been trying to control, the people, your, your image, maybe that false version of yourself, or maybe it's the pain, the struggles in your life? What, what, do you, what needs to change in your life? Maybe this morning is about surrendering to the fact that you do have hurts, hangups, and habits, and you have admit the need and you get help. Maybe you surrender to the reality that you can't fix yourself or others, or that Jesus is the only one that can help you in this space. So a couple steps to maybe finding healing in this beautiful community, this wing of the church. Church is not a hotel. It's a hospital for the sick. Maybe you acknowledge your hurt and admit your need for God. I'm powerless. I need help. Maybe you surrender and put your trust in him and be reminded in this space that God loves you. Yeah, but you don't know what I did. No, God loves you. God loves you. And you matter to him, just to take that in. Maybe it's surrendering to his love. What I love about the cross is it reveals two things. It reveals who we are, and it reveals what we need. I need a savior. I need your love, your power, and restoration of my life. And maybe it's visiting Celebrate Recovery. I know it's scary, but maybe it's not for you. Wouldn't it be cool if in this beautiful community that's already happening, that someone in your group feels safe and they say, by the way, there was a community group that visited years ago. They came as a group. And the group had no idea that there was a couple that was suffering a slow death. They were on the brink of divorce and they were hiding it from their group. But because the group said, we're going, we're going to go check this out. They began their journey in recovery and now have 11 years of freedom and their marriage is better than ever. Maybe it's not for you. Maybe it's saying, if when someone comes to you and says, I'm struggling, I'm hurting, you can say, I've been there. I'm so glad you had the courage. We're going to lock arms and we're in this with you. Maybe you go visit a Celebrate Recovery meeting with them. Pain in a broken world is inevitable, isn't it? Misery. Misery is optional. Freedom, the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Here in a moment, you're going to be able to hear from one of our sisters, I call them satisfied customers, that have been through these principles and have experienced life change. But as this song goes, I just want you to just search your heart. Is there something this morning that you need to surrender? Maybe just you and God have a conversation. Father, love you. Thank you that... The gospel message is not just for our salvation. It's the power to come to us, to work in us, and 
work through us to face our hurts, hang-ups, and habits in this broken world as we deal with the broken effects of our relationships. Father, just search our hearts. If there's anything that we need to give to you this morning, we want to surrender and not leave here holding this any longer. Give us wisdom to know what the next steps are. We love you. In Jesus' name. Give me. 
morning. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ. I struggle with people-pleasing, codependency, and control issues, and my name is Johanna. When I used to think of addiction, I used to think drugs, sex, and alcohol, and I assumed that if I wasn't tripped up by any of those, that programs like Celebrate Recovery weren't for me. And while I've not abused drugs, sex, or alcohol to soothe my pain, I have been addicted all the same. And God allowed my life to hit a fever pitch in 2021 so I would start acknowledging and getting free from that addiction. To give you a little context for me, I learned early on that exceeding expectations gave me the affection and attention that I craved. And so I did everything I could to be impressive in order to feel seen and loved. And growing up, when that, pain, that praise and love didn't come, I just learned to work harder. So I became addicted to overachieving, not only to get the praise that I felt my soul needed, but to outpace the terror I felt of not being lovable. And it got in the way of my relationships when I chose homework or housework or professional work over the people I loved. And it got in the way of my health when I over-exercised and under-ate, that's the word, in order to feel acceptable in a room. And it got in the way of connection when I withheld the truth or just lied about my failure so that people would stay happy with me. Like I couldn't imagine disappointing someone and not being, and being okay. My whole sense of self was wrapped up in other people's reactions to me and I made most of my decisions from that framework. All to answer the aching questions in my soul. Do you see me? Am I lovable yet? And so when I chose to leave my job, after our first daughter was born, I panicked because all the feedback loops that told me I was enough went silent. And I busied myself with contract work and over-exercising to make sure that I felt valuable. And then when our second daughter was born, I managed that strain by under-eating so that I felt acceptable. 
But in the months after our third daughter was born, God allowed my life to hit a fever pitch, and I could not manage my pain anymore. The scope of work I had to do to maintain my public image far exceeded my capacity. And no matter how I planned or strategized, my kids' needs and preferences conflicted with mine, and I was so frustrated. And I resented them because they were inconvenient and abrasive to all of my efforts to siphon any kind of significance and worthiness I could from my work. Eventually, I just gave up achieving and started to numb out with books and movies and TV shows because participating in anyone else's story was easier than acknowledging the pain in mine. And so in the fall of 2021, I joined a step study because I was depleted and I didn't know how to function in my life anymore. And I found women in that study who had found the same road to that place, that we were worn out and we were ready to do some work. The curriculum of that study was one of the many tools that God used to lock eyes with me and to show me the extent he will go to restore me to wholeness. I learned that he loves me enough to not let me stay in addiction no matter how good or productive it might seem. And I learned he loves me enough to allow me to feel the horrible disappointment of my idols so that he could step in and answer those deep questions of my soul. He was patient, he was protective of me, and he was with me as soon as I stopped running. I've grown a lot since 2021. Now, when I find myself slipping into what my husband calls go mode, it's a cue to me to be curious. I have to ask myself, is this a healthy pursuit? Or am I trying to outpace something? Am I trying to get something from this that it cannot ultimately give me? And this is a weekly, if not daily, and if I'm honest, hourly practice for me. When one of my daughters was learning to tie her shoes, she would get really frustrated. She would try and fail and then kick the shoes off and scream and just melt onto the floor. And she wouldn't receive comfort and she would not receive help. And eventually we would just choose different shoes and move on. But I remember one day I was sitting on the stairs by our front door and we had done this process again. And she came to me for the first time and let me hold her. And I started to cry because I heard the Lord say, this is us. And church, this is us. Maybe all of our attempts to metaphorically tie our shoes have failed us. And we are frustrated and discouraged like a four-year-old on the floor. God is right here in that spot. He offers comfort in our frustration and empathy in our grief, and a new way to move forward. Jesus invites us to this very thing in Matthew 11, and the message says it this way, are you worn out? Are you tired? Burned out on religion? Come to me. 
get away with me and you'll recover your life. It's an invitation to comfort, but he doesn't just leave us there. He offers us help. He says, walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. And so on the stairs, I showed my daughter again how to tie her shoes and we did it together. And it was still days before she could do it. And even now she needs help because learning to do a new, something a new way takes work and it takes time. But the promise is that God never leaves us in the work and he never gives up on us in the learning. And in fact, I've learned that it's in the learning that I witness again. Thanks for letting me share. I invite you guys to stand as we sing this last song that speaks of the Lord's goodness in our lives.
Team, thank y'all. Uh, Rodney, Johanna, thanks for leading today, um, leading us to be able to experience what it means to, to know Jesus fully. This invitation to be fully known and fully loved is not an invitation from fellowship. It's an invitation from Jesus, and he wants that for us. And so we want to create spaces where that can happen. And as we've been praying about what God will do in this series, I want to give you just a couple of easy next steps. If you're thinking, what do, we, what do we do from here? What do I do as God is stirring in my heart? We've got some folks from Celebrate Recovery out at the booth uh, back here who would love to answer any questions you have. What is a step study? What do Friday nights look like? They've got a couple of the Life's Healing Choices books for sale out there as well. So you can connect with them. We'll also have our prayer team, some of our staff and volunteers up here uh, to pray with you. We would highly encourage you, if you have something on your heart that you want someone to pray with you, we would love to do that. It would be our privilege. So please come up here after the service. And then our community groups. We've written community group questions around this curriculum to have guys and girls split up to be able to actually put out there some of the things that, that we may have never processed or at least on the level we've never processed and to do that in the safety of community. And so I wanna encourage your groups to start meeting this week. Ours will be meeting tonight and I'm looking forward to getting together with our guys to process these things. And so, whew. If you're new, welcome. Um, we have a newcomers gathering uh, right after the service over in the, uh, the FSM room. It's the building closest to the road out there. You can go downstairs. We've got staff that would love to meet you, get to know you, answer any questions that you have. But as we leave, I'd love for us to, to pray this uh, serenity prayer together. We'll be doing this each of the three weeks. And so would you pray this with me? God. Grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace, taking, as Jesus did, this sinful world as it is, not as I would have it. Trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever in the next. Amen. Amen. You guys are dismissed.